This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. On this week's episode, we're going to be asking the question, what transfer business do Chelsea need to do this January? Which players should we have an eye on to bring in? And which need to be leaving or perhaps getting crucial experience out on loan? Now, here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. It's January and that means January transfer window time, but... We won't be making any additions on this show because we have strength in depth with myself, your host, Mike, and of course, my two co-hosts, as always, Berth and Chris. How are we, guys? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, I'm a bit cold, I must admit. I mean, today has just seemingly been the coldest day ever. That might be an exaggeration, but it's still really cold. Chris, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I was a little bit annoyed about the, the lockdown situation, but I've used it to get the house ready for the new baby, so I'm not wasting my time. That's 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 what we like to hear. Uh, it is, has been cold. I mean, leaving home, leaving home, leaving home. It was icy, but heated windscreens are a blessing. And then leaving work, it was icy again. <laughs> it is what it is. But yeah, it's, it's it's it looks like a winter wonderland out there. It doesn't quite feel it, but it looks it. So it looks very pretty. To be fair, it does look really nice. Oh yeah, it looks really nice until you see freezing fog. And uh, <laughs> yeah. If listeners don't know what that is, Google it, and then you realise that what it's like to drive in the British countryside. Not fun. Not fun at all. Um, but on that uh, that British note, uh, we'll head into the newsroom and we'll see what the latest is at Stamford Bridge. So, just the one fixture this time, and it was a huge matchup against Guardiola's Manchester City. Raheem Sterling is clear. Conte chasing him, Sterling is rapid as he got the finish at the end of it, he's drawn Mendy wide, he's still going to set it up for himself Raheem Sterling and he hits the post and it's put in by De Bruyne and it is 3-0. Oh my, um, where do we begin on this? Uh, you're hearing this a week on from the game itself so we're going to try and talk less about the game but more about what went wrong on a tactical element so it's sort of fresh and more relevant but guys, 3-1 uh, defeat could have been much worse. Am I right? I mean, Chris, obviously you watched the game live. I had other commitments. Um, so, Chris, I'll let you take the floor first on this one. Uh, well, yeah, you are right. It, it, was, it was one of them, them strange games because the way we started the game, I was actually really pleased. I thought we, we started on the front foot. We, we, we were playing some good stuff. We were passing forwards. But as soon as we conceded a goal, we just fell apart. Oh, and agreed. I think, we, I think we spoke about it a few weeks ago about I think me and Berth were saying about how bad we are on the press. And if you've seen that picture that was going on Twitter about the midfield just completely empty because they've all mm. gone and pressed the same ball. And that's what that's what we did. We made it so easy. We made we gave Man City a half an hour spell where we just didn't lay a glove on them. And if you do that against good teams, they they, they finished the game off and that's what happened. Second half was just a dead game. I know Lampard said he thought we improved in the second half, but we didn't really. It's just Man City just didn't have to do anything, so they didn't. Yeah. yeah I, I think... Yeah. Go on. Sorry, uh, just to the midfield point, I think what our problem's been, and Chris, yeah, you're exactly right. We, we talked about it the other week, how when we go 1-0 down and we run out of ideas, our pressing game is is absolutely terrible and we seemingly just get bypassing the field way too easily. And um, from the highlights that I saw, I mean, uh, unfortunately, Kante's... Not the Kante of old, 
I think Kovacic is very ill-disciplined in his position and pressing. I think sometimes he can be quite erratic. I think on the ball, I think he's a fantastic player. He really is great. But I think positionally and tactically, he can be all over the place. And I also think Kante can be a bit like that as well. I think you need... Yeah. And I think you, I think you need to... In a game against Manchester, you need to take control of the midfield, you need to get a hold of them in midfield. And if you don't, and you're not at the races in midfield, and you've got no structure against them, you will get ripped apart. They've got Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling. They're a great team. They're, I mean, they're in, they're in form at the moment, but they are an incredible team. And oh. when you lose in midfield, it's game over already. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they were showing it in the, the League Cup semi-final against United last night. Uh, obviously, we record this on a Thursday. They were they were really really good. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah. Opening, I'll just put it this way: when I saw the team sheets of both sides, I was filled with hope. Uh, Hakim Ziyech finally back. Timo's been played as a striker, who I've advocated he should be a striker because that's his best position at Leipzig. And the idea of a front three of those two plus Christian Pulisic, along with let's be honest, that depleted City lineup, which is obviously no fault of their own within reason, depending on how you see it with Carl Walker. Um, it gave me strong reason to be quite excited for the next 90 minutes. And as Chris opened up with, yeah, that opening 10 minutes, we dominated. We played some good football. Then we conceded the first goal, heads dropped, and within three minutes, we're, we're two down and looking dreadful. Um, but for me, the worst part was how we conceded that third goal. It, it was almost like we decided to pay tribute to United against Istanbul in the Champions League. I mean, there are no words for that sort of defending, especially against the pace of Raheem Sterling. And how City break on their counter-attack. You know, many laughed at United for such a way to set up. And, you know, I would nod in agreement that the same be done at Chelsea. Because I mocked United for how Denver Bar was able to score. Go and mock our own team because that was dreadful. You know, as simple as that. Um, you know, we're 17 games into the season. And the run of form is, it's worrying. Now, appointing a club legend as manager does come with a risk. You know, you often, as a fan, you don't wish to be critical of them. But we, we have an incredible squad full of talent. And yet, it seems that Frank can't find the right way to get a tune out of, out of any of them, really. I mean, tactically, there are many questions we know so far this season. Personally, I'm not impressed at all with the tactics. But, you know, this is not a knee-jerk reaction whatsoever. You know, but with each game that's come and passed us by, the question, I think, it's starting to enter my mind. And I've seen it on more reasonable social media fans. Is, is the question that, is Frank Lampard the right manager for this squad? And will you win the club silverware with it? Uh, what do you feel on this, lads? I mean, it's a real difficult one because... And that's not, different... that's, yeah, that's not a Lampard out. We're just stating... No, 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 no. I mean, that... it's, no, you, look, it's you look on Twitter. Yeah. I think you look on Twitter. Just going to that Lampard out. I think you look on Twitter and you, you've got two sets of fans at the moment. There's no in-between. You've got one set of fans that are massively Lampard in and you'll frown upon anyone that says Lampard out. And then you've got the Lampard out fans that will not back Lampard, will not support him, will not support the team. And, you know, they are not Chelsea fans, I'll get that right. But at the same time, the other Lampard in fans have got to realise that, you know, there are people out there that will put good points forward as to why Lampard shouldn't be there. And that's OK, you're allowed to have opinions in football. You know, you shouldn't sort of abuse people for having a different opinion to you because that's not what football's about. Football should bring people together. Of course, you're not all going to agree on everything, but, you know, come on, let's be real here. Getting to the Lampard point, I think... This season has been a bit disappointing. I'll be the first one to admit that. But I've never wanted a manager to do so well in all my life. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I think everyone can agree with that. Every Chelsea fan can. Of course. So it's a, it's a real difficult one. But the more we keep losing, 
time is slowly running out for him at the moment. I think he, he's still very tactically naive. I think sometimes he's making the wrong substitutions. He's setting up wrong. He's, I think Chris said it in the group chat the other day that last year he was sort of chopping and changing. Like when things weren't working in game, he'd change it and it'd work or it'd change formation in, in a different game and it'd work. This season, he's seemingly stuck with the same formation, same players, and it just hasn't worked. And when it hasn't worked, he's not changed anything. It's been very sort of stubborn almost. I think that's where he's got to change it a bit. He's got to be braver and risk, take more risks if he's to be successful at Chelsea and to keep his job, really. What's what your feel on this, Chris? Yeah, well, I'll just touch on the Twitter thing to start with because that has been annoying me, the fact that people are saying that if you ask questions about Lampard, then you're not a Chelsea fan, which I just don't think is right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Lampard out. I'm not Lampard in either, though. I, I, I judge every manager based on the results that they're getting and what I'm seeing in front of my eyes. And at the minute, what I'm seeing, I don't think is good enough. It's not just the results. I, I can I can take a run of bad results if the performances are there, but the performances aren't there either. Our footballer has been dire now for most of the season, let's be honest. There hasn't been many games where you've watched us and thought, wow, what a side we look. You know, most even earlier in the season when we were winning games, it was quite cagey games and then we'd score two or three in the last half an hour and win 4-0 and the result looked brilliant. But overall... The performances, I just don't think, with the investment we've had, has been good enough. And mm. from Lampard's point of view, I do think he's been let down by some players this season. I think some players haven't haven't performed to anywhere near the level which they should be at, and which they showed in the in the really early stages of the season the levels they can perform at. But from Lampard's point of view, I think I agree tactically. One of the main things I liked about Lampard last season was he wasn't set on a system and a way of playing. He adapted his his approach to each game. Like when we went away against Tottenham and he changed to a back five and we won there. And then there was other games where he matched Wolves up and we went and won there convincingly. And it, you could see that he was thinking about the game more. And I think this season, I think he's almost had too much belief in his squad that he can put out this team in this 4-3-3 formation with the players we've got and it'll be good enough. And I, it's almost, I agree with what I think it was Paul Merson who said it the other day. The, the team at the minute look like a bunch of good players who have just been told to go and play. And if that's the case, then that's really poor management because even the best teams in the world, they need a tactical setup behind them. And I don't see at the minute what our approach going into games is. I don't yeah. know whether we're going to press, whether we're going to sit off, whether we're going to play front foot attacking football, whether we want to play on the counter attack. I, just, I honestly couldn't tell you what the style is. And I think that is the main thing that Lampard needs to sort out because if he does that, then I think the results will come. But until he does that, I, I just think the bad results will keep coming. Yeah, I think that's exactly exactly it. I think both of you have made incredible and fair points. Um, I, I, obviously, we're not going to go too into detail of it because it gives that person a platform. But someone messaged me saying um, that we were heavily Frank Lampard out. No, you have to ask questions when you're in a poor run of form. That is, that's football, that's life. It's if you do, if any sports team or any even a business, if they're not doing well, in a moment, you have to question why, why? Because if you don't ask the question, you're not going to find out the reason to perhaps turn it round. And it's a difficult one. He has got this incredible squad. And again, there are other managers out there that could potentially get more from this squad. And we know our board. We know that if you don't make top four, you're gone. It's as simple as that. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti will even shout, hey, I got second place in a league. 
and I didn't survive. That is correct. We, you know, we've seen how extreme our board can be. And again, you could argue, well, do Chelsea want sustainability and success? Well, over the last decade and beyond that, we've chopped and changed managers and been successful with it. So it's not like that process hasn't worked. Um, the other, obviously, the managers that have been brought up, you've got the likes of Tuckle. Tuckle rubs the board, boards up of his clubs the wrong way. He did it at Dortmund. He's done it at PSG. We know that Chelsea like you to keep quiet when you're the manager. You don't question the board. We remember Antonio Conte doing similar. That didn't end too well. That's why I, th- I can sort of see why, and don't hate me guys, but Brendan Rodgers makes sense. He's a, he's a yes kind of character. He will not. I've never known him to rub up the Liverpool board or the Leicester board or even the Celtic board the wrong way. So you can sort of see the logic there if that was the avenue that Chelsea decided to go down. Um, yeah, it's, I have to say, I mean, fingers crossed we come back, but, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of talent in that squad and it's, we've paid a lot of money. And to be where we are in a league that this season looks like it could be anyone's to take, you've got to ask, we, got, we should be doing better. I mean, any final, final thoughts on that? Or just to slate me for saying Rogers? No, I mean, I, if it was me and if... I don't want Lampard to go, but if Lampard was to go and we saw a place with someone else, my first pick would probably be Brendan Rogers because I think he knows Chelsea. He's great with young players. Like he'd be great with Mason Mount, Sammy Abraham. And he's been at a big club before. I mean, he's been at Liverpool. He's been at Celtic. He's done an incredible job with Leicester. Let's be real here. Mm. So he's a terrific manager. So he'd be my first choice, to be honest. But hopefully, like you said, hopefully Lampard does turn it around and the results start coming back to us and hopefully we end the season well. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, I'd echo that. I think Brendan Rodgers would be my choice if Lampard was to go. I think no one wants Lampard to fail, not real Chelsea fans. I don't think that's ever a question because what you'd never want your team to lose on purpose. We all want Lampard to turn it around and be really successful. And just by raising questions about him doesn't mean that we want him to get sacked. It's just raising the questions as to why we're on this poor run of form. I hope he turns it round, but he's got a massive two games in the Premier League coming up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. this, yeah, this Fulham side are back in form, so they're not. Uh, they're certainly not ones to be taken lightly. So we're going to be back to talk our main topic this week after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, listeners. Well, as I said at the start of the episode, it is January and that, that means only one thing. The window, it's open. The wild rumours are everywhere. Will we sign Mbappe? Maybe Messi on a pre-contract agreement? There's so much to discuss and neither of those players are going to be involved. Um, and we've got the time to discuss it. So... For this topic, I've, I've decided to set it up is, well, it's we each put our own cases forward for where we need to strengthen and then we suggest some players that we could bring in to do just that. But of course, there will be the outgoings. Um, we've got you covered there with our suggestions of players that need a, a loan, a move away or need letting go on a permanent deal. So first up, I think we're going to head to Berth and I'm going to ask where do Chelsea need to strengthen this January and who do you personally have lined up? I mean, looking at recent games, I'd say, I think we've got enough creative players now and enough strikers and wingers and, and that to sort of, we're okay going forward, let's be real. We do score goals, we score plenty of goals. I do think we struggle in that centre of the park, in that holding midfield role. Obviously, you've got Kante, Kovacic and Jorginho, all brilliant players in their own right. But if you're looking at a holding midfielder on their own, it's how Lampard clearly wants to play. I don't think any of them are really suitable for that role. 
Kante d- would do a job, I'd say, three years ago at that role. But I think he's slowly sort of losing his legs a bit. So obviously the obvious choice is maybe a, a Declan Rice. Obviously that is, that's the most obvious one at the moment. I'm a big fan of Calvin Phillips. I think he's done an incredible job at Leeds under Bielsa. So I think Calvin Phillips is one to have a look at. Um, I think the other place that we need to strengthen as well, looking long-term, is centre-back still. I still think we're a world-class experienced centre-back short. And I think maybe looking at David Alaba, he's running out of contract at the end of the season. Maybe it's too early to talk about him now. But I think if you want to play him at centre-back, great with the ball at his feet. Very versatile, can play at left-back as well. Can also play midfield if you wanted to. So I think that'd be a great buy as well for us. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, Calvin Phillips certainly gets a lot of praise and with good good, good points. I mean, um, you obviously spoke of Declan Rice at CDM. It's a top shout. You know, there's no denying that lad's talent. And he's got a love of Chelsea and he's got a decent relationship with the current players. But I'm going to jump in on this bit before we cut to, to Mr. Chris and say when we're talking to CDM, maybe one name that's not getting a mention who we should be looking at this January for a move in the summer. Again, he, he won't cost us a penny as his uh, deal expires this summer. It's Bayern Munich's Javi Martinez, or Javi Martinez. Mm-hmm. You know, he can play CDM as well as centre-back. He's just 29 years old. And we saw with Thiago Silva how an experienced head can change the dynamic. How are you taking that sort of wild-card shout? I th- yeah, I can see your point. I mean, it's I think he's a very clever footballer. I do wonder maybe if the Premier League's a bit too quick for him, if that makes sense. I don't know if, if he's got the legs for it. And I think if you're looking properly long-term, and I know he's only 29, but if you're looking properly long-term, Declan Rice, 21. Calvin Phillips, I think, is 23, 24. So you're looking long-term. That could be at Chelsea for a good 10 or so years, whereas Harry Martinez, you're looking at maybe three, four years, maybe, and then and then he'll be gone. So it's a good shout, don't get me wrong. And he's a very good player, but there's just a few question marks to think about him. Well, they questioned, obviously, Thiago Silva, and he's been incredible, yeah. hasn't he? And he's, he's not, he's, I was going to say nine years older. He's not. He's uh, <laughs> seven. Seven, good math there. Um, I mean, I think of Javi Martinez. I mean, this season he's shown he's still top level. You know, he's 16 games played so far for Bayern, and he's, he's two blocks, 11 aerial duels, total number of 10 tackles. You know, he's a proven winner, you know. Mm. And he's great on the ball. He's known for that because of, obviously, Tuchelidge of Guardiola and Bayern Munich in general. And, you know... He's known to take a long shot or two and score. Oh, that's important. Uh, for the fact, though, he'll be free as well. I, I kind of see it as a no-brainer. And with the right project, I feel he might, might be tempted to London ahead of a return to Bilbao. But you wouldn't blame him going back to Athletic Bilbao. Um, Chris, thoughts on Martinez and where you feel the squad should strengthen? Yeah, I think Martinez is a good shot. I think with the amount of young players we've got now, I think adding some experience will always help. I, I kind of agree with Berth about the pace might be an issue of the Premier League, but if he's if he's smart enough, like Thiago Silva has shown, you don't need that burst of pace if you position yourself correctly. And he could, with his experience, he could quite easily do that and adapt quite quickly to the Premier League. The fact that he can play centre back as well, I think, is always a bonus. So I actually think that's a top shot. Oh, thanks. I'm liking the fact that I've brought Rogers <laughs> and Martinez as a bit of a, and I've not been slated, so I'm happy. I'm happy with that indeed. Um, do you have any suggestions where we need to strengthen other than maybe CDM? Uh, well, the rumour about the goalkeeper, Donnarumma from AC Milan, I think on a free, that's a no-brainer. I think long-term, I don't think as good as Mendy has been, oh, as much of an improvement as he has been on Kepa, 
long term, is Mendy going to be the sort of goalkeeper who would win you a Premier League? I still think there's question marks over him. And I think if you can get a keeper like Donnarumma on a free, then that's a no-brainer. But mm-hmm. in terms of people we could actually buy in January, looking at the Man City game, and I'm also an advocate for, I think we should be playing 3-4-3. Three, three. So okay. I would like to see us buy a backup right back. I think Azpilicueta now is coming towards the end. I actually think Azpilicueta now is better as a centre-back in a three. Which is why I like to play three. Yeah, that lack of pace, it does show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if Reese James, we don't know how serious this Reese James injury is going to be, whether it's going to be something that keeps popping up every three or four weeks and he's going to miss a couple of weeks. So I'd like to see us buy a backup right back. Mm. Uh, Uh, But when you're looking for someone to come in and just be backup, I don't think you can be looking at top class. So I actually think someone like um, Denzel Dumfries from PSV. Yes. He's 24, he's six foot two, he's strong, he's quick, got good stamina, he gets the odd goal, gets a few assists. He's actually been decent this year in the Europa League, one goal, one assist in four games. And I just think he's he's built for the Premier League and he's a better backup than Azpilicueta is now at his age and especially with the way we want to play. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people could bring up the right backs. I mean, I'm I'm crying Tarek Lamptey because, but I get <laughs> why it, it, it is what it is. Um, you've got William of William. Don't get stressed. I've said not William. Twenty-four uh, year old Brazilian right back who's at Wolfsburg. He's doing pretty decent. Uh, you've got Klosterman who's Leipzig. He's been pretty good. But these are, I mean, you could potentially get oh the guy from Napoli, which was uh, I can't remember. Hassad. Hassad, that's the one. Yeah. He's more likely to maybe play backup. It's difficult. You could go Max Ahrens as well, but he'd want to be playing football because he's he's only just turned 20, I think. So it's a difficult one. Right back, there's so much. Yeah, we definitely need, I'd say, yeah, it'd be safe to say we need a, a backup right back. Um, it, it's a difficult one if anyone wants to come in. It's a bit like the Harry Kane situation at Spurs where it was, if you go in as a striker, you know you're going to play backup and sometimes people aren't. They don't want to do that. And I can't really blame them. You, you want to play. You don't want to sit on the bench and get cold. Well, I, I think I, th- I think that's kind of why that Lamptey sort of went, wasn't it? That he didn't really, he kind of knew that Reece James was going to be the number one. He didn't want to be back up. I think for a younger player, I don't think you want to be going to a top club to be back up. I think you want to go sort of get experience, prove that you're, like Tariq Lamptey, he's gone to Brighton and he's, he's, he's been their best player this season. And now big clubs are interested in him being their first choice uh, right back. And I, I don't think, like Max Aaron, as you say, I, I don't think he'd want to go to Chelsea. Or I th- I've seen him need to buy Munich in Barcelona earlier on in the season. I don't think he'd want to go there because he'd know that he'd be back up. I yeah. think he, you want to sort of develop and maybe at the age of say, 23, 24, then go and, and, and be a number one at a big club. It's like, um, I, I personally think Ben White will be an incredible player for a top six team. Maybe even better than that. Maybe a bastard and a Madrid eventually. Because I think he's he's so so good. Ben White is he's really versatile, but he's very young. He's still I think he's twenty one, twenty two maybe, but he's upright now, getting first team experience, and that has developed him into an even better player now. And come two three seasons, he'll be number one centre back or centre mid at many of the top clubs in the world. So yeah, I think his side would be the more likely one if if we go for a right back because he's a bit older. His contract's running out. And I, th- I think he'd be more likely to go for that backup role. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on those picks, Chris? Yeah, I, I like the Napoli. I like that Napoli right back. But 
my problem with him is he's been linked, I think, pretty much every transfer window with moves to big clubs and none of them have ever gone through. And it makes me wonder why, if if he was of a certain standard, why no one's looking at him more seriously than they are. It's always just been rumours and he's never quite got the deal through. I think as well, if you're playing every week for Napoli in Serie A and you're getting Champions League football, would you want to come and be a backup? That's why I think when you are looking for backup players, you really have to be looking at smaller clubs or from lesser leagues. And yeah. that's why I went that's why I went for Dumfries, because I thought PSV have a big club in Holland, but with no disrespect to the Dutch league, it's not the Premier League. So no. I think players players do like players leave Holland all the time to come to the Premier League to play backup roles. So that's why I went for him really. Yeah, I can see why. It's a fair shout. I mean, well, I'll put it this way. Um, when I look at the team, sometimes you do have to look toward the future. Now, we've already had this name just brought up. Gianluigi Donnarumma. He's available to talk to other clubs due to his deal expiring in the summer. Uh, he's, a, he's a world-class goalkeeper. I think that's fair to say. It. And he's on a free. You know, huge signing on free, naturally, due to who his agent is. But for Milan, he's been outstanding so far, you know. 13 games played in Serie A, and he's he's only conceded 13. Now, only Napoli and Juventus at the time of recording have conceded less in the league. I think that's that's still correct, I think, even though obviously he conceded three last night. Um, four clean sheets, which, you know, that's respectable. But, but there's no denying his ability. You know, talk is, talk is this week that we've opened negotiations for him. You take that with a pinch of salt, as we always do with transfer rumours. But is he our future number one? I mean... It's he's top of the list, you'd say. I mean, if you're looking at getting another keeper in, you would say he's right up there. I think he's got all the attributes of the Premier League. Very, very tall, very powerful, very strong in the air, collecting balls. Um, and yeah, he, he looks the most likely to be our number one for the foreseeable future. I know we've got Mendy at the moment, but I kind of agree with Chris. I think Mendy's almost he's definitely an upgrade on Kefa, but I think he's almost pasturing over the cracks. It's a good short-term solution, but I think long-term, I think Dunrumma would be the perfect ideal keeper. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think Dunrumma's got the height and the physicality to cope with the Premier League. Even just being that size, it puts teams off putting crosses into your box. Because even if he's, even if they're not the best at coming to claim crosses, it just gets into teams' heads that he's tall, so there's probably no point putting balls in the box too close to the keeper. Uh, the Mendy situation, I agree with what Bertha said, really. I think he has been an upgrade on Kepa, no doubt. But there has been... Now he's starting to get tested more. Now our defence is creaking a little bit more. There has been more question marks over him. I thought he should have saved Gundogan's shot in the Man City game. I think when you get a hand on it and a full hand on it, you can't just push it further into the corner. So yeah. I think long-term, would I keep him as number one? No. So Donnarumma, the keeper of that level, on a free transfer, regardless of how much he's signing on fears is an, an absolute no-brainer for me. Uh, I mean, you say about his height, he's six foot four. Now, he's got that reach, hasn't he? I mean, whatever you say about Courtois, Courtois was always known. He'd always get beat at his near post, but he would always be able to sort of save it. I mean, Courtois, I think, was... He weren't that much. He was a bit taller. I think he was like six, six, six foot five. I yeah, I think, I think Courtois he was, was six, tall guy. six. I think he was six dick. I'm not yeah. wrong there. Very um, tall, very tall. I'll just do two metres to feet. Yep, six foot five and a bit. So, yeah, he's just a bit taller. But, yeah, it's, you know, height is, is key. I mean, it sounds cliche with a goalkeeper, but it is. It is key to, uh, you know, corners. You've got that confidence. And 
you could argue that his agent's a bit of a, an issue, maybe. You know, Mino Royola's got a reputation, but we've got Marina Granovskaya, and I'm pretty sure if anyone can negotiate with the toughest so-called agent in uh, in football, it's it's Marina. So I'd be quite confident that we would get probably the better side of that deal. So, yeah, simple as that, really. Um, obviously, this season... No, no, I'm reading the wrong notes here. Uh, we'll get to the outgoings. Um who do we have on the books that need a loan move away? Who are we paying wages to that just needs to go? I know who you've got in mind straight away, and you're right, and you, listener. But after spending about 200 million plus in the summer, we really need to reduce that wage bill, let's be honest, and recoup a bit of money, you know, I say. Um, I think the left-back situation is the one to keep an eye on. It's, it's going to be between Alonso and Emerson, who, who needs to be allowed to leave. Not on loan, but permanently, I think, realistic. Alonso is linked with Atletico, which, considering... We'll be playing them, gives me potential flash forwards of he'll make us pay. But on the other hand, Emerson, Inter and Juventus are interested in the Italian. What are your thoughts on this situation here, guys? I think I personally would get rid of Marcus Alonso. So I feel that Frank is going to probably play four at the back for, for well, for this season. And I just think as a left back, Marcus Alonso has way too many weaknesses, really. I think he'll be better off go into, you know, Atletico or back to the Italian league. And I think we'd probably get more money for him than, than Emerson. So I just I just think he's probably a better player than Emerson to be honest. I think Emerson would more likely want to be a backup. So yeah, I I think Alonso will go and then Emerson will be the backup to be honest. Yeah, I think that as well. And I think when you look at the amount of when Chilwell's been out or Chilwell's been rested, it's been Emerson who's coming in. I think the relationship between Lampard and Alonso is completely broken down. So I don't see any way that Alonso stays beyond January. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. That relationship has clearly gone. And, you know, I'm not sure what he's got left on his deal, but he's a bit of a liability as well. And you do think, because of everything altogether, is his time coming to an end? I mean, I think he's played three times in the Premier League for us this year, which it's not a lot. I don't know how many minutes that equates to. I really should have uh, researched that, but... Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think with Alonso, I, I think he offers a goal threat, though, which I think teams will, will like, yeah, especially yeah. in the Italian league, where a lot of them play with a wing-back. I think Alonso would be perfect. And, you know, they. I mean, don't get me wrong, Alonso has scored so many great goals for us. And he has actually oh. been a great servant to us. Yeah, but I think sure. the time time is now, his relationship with Lampard, that doesn't look like it's getting any better. Nice. The formation we play, I just think it's time for Alonso to move on and then Emerson be our uh, backup. Then Alonso to go on to a greener passage, shall we say? Yeah, for sure. I think the uh, I think the link to Atletico is a bit weird though, because they play a back four as well, and Alonso's not really good in a back four, so I do think that's an odd, an odd link really. I don't see because Simeone likes his teams to be defensively sound, but if you find a left back, you can't defend. <laughs> yeah, you've got a point. You've got a point. Um, left back wise, they don't really. I don't. I can't really think of one other than you've got obviously Yannick Carrasco sorts of plays left wing back. So maybe there's some thinking about yeah. competition for him. But they have that Rennie Lodi, don't they? Isn't that their left Yeah, back? yeah, they do have that Rennie Lodi. I don't know. I don't know much about that lad, if I'm honest. I don't know if you guys know a bit more and if he's any if he's, he's good on FIFA, but I, I don't oh, well. I, I don't think I've seen him uh, in That's real life. But... Um, yeah, he's good yeah. on FIFA. See, yeah, Lampard Alonso, they don't have a relationship, so I feel that kind of decides who who's gone. Uh, obviously, I don't like the idea of him coming back to haunt us. It always seems to happen. But yeah, you've got the futures then of Antonio Rudiger, Andreas Christensen, Pikao Tomori, 
they'll need figuring out. Personally, out of those three, I'd sell Christensen, keep Rudiger and loan to Mori. Probably to a solid Premier League side, maybe a Southampton, but you've got a question, would he get in the 11? So it's hard to call. Obviously, they've got a few injuries at the moment, centre-back. Uh, maybe Wolves could be a good shout. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think, I, I personally think, I think for tomorrow's development, I personally, I think he wants to move away completely from Stamford Bridge. I think he, I think he would be better off if he got a permanent move away because it just seems as if he hasn't really got a future under Lampard. You thought at the start of last season maybe he has, but I, I just, it's been almost two seasons now and he's not really cracked the first team like I thought he would. So maybe it is time for him to almost do what Tariq Lamptey did and move to maybe like a Brighton or West Ham or a Wolves just for his own development more than anything because at the moment it doesn't seem as if He's got a career at Chelsea, which I think is a shame because I think he's a fantastic centre-back. And the partnership he started to grow with Kurt Zuma was getting really good, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening for him, really. Um, I think Christensen, after he's shown against Villa, where he just stayed on the floor, I, I think he, he needs to go as well. I think he was pathetic in that draw against Villa. Um, great with the ball at his feet. I think positionally for a centre-back, he's awful. I, I think there's been so many times where he's been caught out of position. Um in the air, very weak. He, I mean, the amount of times I've seen him go up for a corner and miss time ahead or, or completely miss the ball was ridiculous for a centre-back. And I just don't think he's Chelsea level. I, I think he's very much a mid-table uh, mid Premier League player. Um, so I'd show him the door. And I think I'd, I'd probably keep Rudiger. He's very clumsy, yeah. But I, I do think he's a very good backup. So I would personally keep Rudiger. Chris? I agree with I agree with everything you just said there. I thought I was going to be the only one to lay into Christians then, but you you, you sort of stole my thunder back. To be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, Christians then. I'm pretty sure I did in the summer transfer window when we said about who to get rid of the Stalin Keith episode. That I said to get rid of Christians then. Haven't liked him. I just he's not a Premier League defender. He's not built like a Premier League defender. He doesn't have the aggression of a Premier League defender. I think he'd be really successful abroad. Maybe Spain, maybe back to Germany, but Premier League, no chance. Um, mm. The Tamori situation, I actually agree with Berth. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Tamori leave permanently. It's not just a case of a lack of game time, but there doesn't seem to be much of a relationship there between Lampard and Tamori either. Like, considering Lampard had Tamori at Derby and you thought he's used Mount the way he has, so he would trust Tamori as well. This season, I mean, he, he can't even make the bench. So sure. it's not like he's, he's knocking on the door of the first team. He's, he's nowhere near it. He's sat in the stands most of the time. Yeah, so I mean, I think yeah. maybe, maybe get rid. Maybe if Tamori wanted to leave permanently, maybe we could use him in a deal to bring a centre back in. Yes, you know, maybe you could use him as part of a, a deal for Ben White, like Burstead or Lewis mm. Dunk, something like that. So you know, if you're taking a good centre half away from a, a, another team that are going to get a, a good potential centre-back in return. Maybe that's the way to go forward with that one. Yeah, I mean, another outgoing is probably Kepa. That needs resolving. Likely La Liga. Uh, looking over there, you know, who needs a, a goalkeeper based on the clean sheets to games ratio? Well, you could say Villarreal and Bilbao stand out. Uh, it, it's going to come down to wages. I mean, he's on £170,000 a week, and whoever takes him on, they're not going to pay even 50% of that figure, especially with the financial situation due to the ongoing pandemic. So... Yeah, we'll have to sit, wait and see on that one. Uh, one extra bit I'd like to add in terms of outgoings. Um, at the time of recording, he does have a club, but that being Sheffield United. But what on earth should we do with Ethan Ampadu? 
You know, United are sinking like a stone, playing quite dreadful, but he is getting games. Um, thoughts on Ampadu? I think he, he's a great player, great young player, versatile, which was great. I personally would not have him as a centre back. I think he's better off in that centre defensive mid role. Do I think he's going to be able to get in at Chelsea? I don't know. I don't think he's ahead of Billy Gilmore, to be honest. I think he's some way off Billy Gilmore at the moment. So maybe next season another loan and then so he does that. Maybe send him abroad. I don't think Leipzig was a great choice for him, but maybe maybe somewhere like maybe someone like a Celtic or someone like that or a Rangers. Um like a big club, but obviously not the best of leagues, just to get him first team experience at a big club maybe. Um but yeah, I, I don't see a long term future for Ampadu at the club, which is a shame because I do think he's a great player, just I don't see him fitting in somehow with Billy Gilmore there. No, I agree. I I don't think the Leipzig move worked out for him at all. I think it actually stalled his career, which is sometimes what happens with the loan system. You can loan a player out thinking they're going to get game time and then they just don't. And they would have been better just staying with you and not getting the game time, but at least under your coaching. I think the Leipzig move really, really held him back. He's, he hasn't impressed me as much as I thought he was going to at Sheffield United. I know, I know they are struggling badly, but he's not standing out in that team, which is a real concern. I, I agree with Berth. I think actually Celtic or Rangers would be a great shout for him. I think you up there, although the, the standard of the league isn't the best, he'll get the game time and you'll still get that feeling of playing for a massive club because Celtic and Rangers in Scotland are massive clubs and the pressure is there. So he'll, he'll learn to cope with things like that. But do I ever think that he'll be a Chelsea first teamer? On the way things look now, I'd say no. I think he's another one who might spend a few seasons out on loan and then eventually be sold. Yeah, I think it's a shame because he's had such promise and you know, there's a reason we picked him up from Exeter. And it does look like being maybe it's just not going to work out. And yeah, I mean, CDM, we need one, don't we? I mean, we're talking about Declan Rice. We've got Ampadu and you could argue, why don't we use Ampadu? Maybe we never will, and it will be another, maybe a Salah, a De Bruyne, a Lukaku. It might not be anything like that who grows into a better player because he's left. Uh, it's a hard one to say. I mean, overall, is there anyone else that we need to potentially be looking at moving on, guys? Uh, Danny Drinkwater. Agreed. I yeah, thought it that yeah. straight away. I, I mean, couldn't believe the other day. I've seen that he's going out on loan. Just either sell him or release the guy. Don't send him out on loan. Because then well, he's not going to be used. Come back again. Yeah. I mean, he's never like, going to be just, used, is just it? Get, just, get him off, just get him off the books. Um, I, I personally think I would, with the emergence of Billy Gilmore, I think you could look at, maybe not in January, but maybe selling Jorginho in the summer. Because I feel that, yeah. I don't know, I just feel that Billy Gilmore, better long-term prospect, He's got the legs on Jorginho. Jorginho's not getting younger. I think is more suited to the Italian league. I think, again, he's been a good servant for Chelsea, but I do think sometimes the Premier League against the top clubs, they just overrun him. And I think, I just think it may be time for him to move on in the summer. Yeah, I think yeah. it's good. there's so much talent in that squad and you just hope that we get the best out of the players that we've got. But... It's January. We might not. From what we've heard, the aim of the the squad and the team is to reduce the numbers, not bring anyone in. So there's going to be a lot of outgoings. Declan Rice. It's kind of a summer transfer that would be. So and again, depending on who the manager is, come the summer, 
that may be another avenue that the club are looking at. Should we see how the season plays out before investing more money into this particular manager's ideas? You never. We don't know what truly goes on in the boardroom. We only have different, obviously, media outlets who give us bits of information now and then. Again, you have to take all of it with a pinch of salt. So that that's that's pretty much it for you know the topic in January. Um, and with that, we, we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge Pod. Uh, it's time for a social media plug because we always we always like to plug our social media. Where can we find you two? Uh, let's, I'm going to decide. I'll go with Chris this week because you know he's been. He's had a tough week with lockdown. So, Chris, go ahead. Thanks. Uh, on Twitter, Sorry. I'm at Chris 09 Adams. Uh, well, uh, I mean, if I'm second best, then I, I don't want to plug my uh, Twitter, to be honest. No, but of course, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. Um, you, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for at the Bridge Pod. Drop us a like, a follow. Keep up to date on all things Chelsea. Uh, next week, I'm not too sure what we're going to be discussing. I might have a, a chat with the guys in the chat and see what they throw out because I'm at a bit of a, a loss. I've kind of run out of ideas at the moment, which isn't good for January. But we'll, uh, yeah, it's January. It'll, it'll come back, I'm sure. So, Maybe so, Cult Heroes makes I, a fantastic I, New Year's return. I, I think that might be a very, a very good shout. So yeah, thanks for that. That's, that's helped me out. That's um, right. See, see, you're not second best when you drop ideas like that. Wow. Can I just say as well? Can I just say as well? By the way, Christmas our Sunday league football game last week, right? Here we go. To, to watch Chelsea, and he said he's going to mention me on this podcast because I scored a penalty, which he normally takes, but you weren't there. But I stepped up to take it, and I scored. So I just want some gratitude from Chris and some prayers from Chris. Chris, go. Um, I weren't there to see it, so I can't comment too much. I, I think. People said it was a good penalty, but I just, I just haven't seen it. No, fair play to you. You stepped up, you took it, you scored. I can't ask any more, can we? What was your penalty style? Was it hop, skip, jump, or was it a Pogba slow run-up? What was it? Um, absolutely not a hop, skip and jump. I can't walk in a straight line without falling over. So, um, no, it was just a, a step up and hit it into the top corner and net. Keeper, oh. and keeper went the wrong way. I'm now Redditch Town's top penalty taker, so... On that note, I'll hand it back to you, Mikey. Yeah, beautiful. That's how you take a penalty, you know. If only certain penalty takers at our club could learn that. Uh, well. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much that. So on that, we're, we're signing off. So till next time, that's us, obviously, signing off.